welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry and social justice. Hello, this is James and welcome to the Madden America podcast. And this week we turn our attention to support for those who are struggling to withdraw from psychiatric drugs. Recently in the UK, this issue has become headline news, with more and more attention being given to the work of groups such as the Council for Evidence-Based Psychiatry and peer-led initiatives such as the Bristol Tranquilizer Project. December the 4th, 2019 marks the release of guidance which has been specifically written to support psychological therapists and their clients in having discussions about taking and withdrawing from psychiatric drugs. The comprehensive guidance is a collaboration between psychologists, peer support specialists and psychiatrists and aims to provide important context and evidence-based support to psychological therapists, whatever their particular modality. The guidance has been a group effort led by members of the Council for Evidence-Based Psychiatry, and in this podcast we're joined by some of the section authors who contributed to the project. Later, we chat with peer support specialist Paul Sams and Professor of Psychology John Reed. But first, I'm delighted to have been able to chat with Dr. Anne Guy. Anne is a psychotherapist in private practice, a member of the Council for Evidence-Based Psychiatry, and is the Secretariat Coordinator for the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Prescribed Drug Dependence. She is the project lead for the development of the therapist's guidance. Anne, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat for the podcast. And uh, we're here today to talk about some new guidance for psychological therapists who are working with clients either taking or withdrawing from psychiatric drugs. Mm-hmm. And so to begin, really, I wanted to kind of ask how you became involved in this work and, you know, what what kind of part you played in the process. Okay. Well, um, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice and I read a book um, by Robert Whittaker in 2016 called Anatomy of an Epidemic, um, which for the first time seeing all of the information summarised in one place about the effectiveness of um, psychiatric drugs, the likelihood and possible experiences that people were starting to talk about around withdrawal and the emerging evidence about potential long-lasting harms of psychiatric drugs, I was really very shocked on a professional level. Mm. And then I realized that I'd just simply not been aware um, of the overall broad impact that psychiatric drugs were having that was starting to be seen on a cultural level. Mm. Um, But I think uh, the biggest impact was a, a personal one for me professionally, realizing that as a psychological therapist, there was an opportunity for me to be helping my clients uh, to understand when they might be encountering such problems with drugs Um, and that by not knowing about it, I might have unwittingly been um, compounding harm, Mm. that if they'd experienced withdrawal, I might not have spotted it, they might have been put back on drugs, I might have been working with them as Mm. though an experience they were having was their psychological problem, um, as opposed to actually a very physiological one. So it was a real wake-up call for me, reading that book. Yeah, absolutely. And and is that kind of what led you to be working with the Council for Evidence-Based Psychiatry? And and also, you you remember, it's it's kind of past now because the election is due, but you were a member of the all-party group for prescribed drug dependence. So is that what led you to that? Absolutely. I 
started having a conversation with one of my professional bodies that I'm a member of, BACP. And I also started having a conversation with an old colleague from Roehampton University, Dr. James Davies. And he told me about the APPG for prescribed drug dependence that he was involved in. And I was very interested, obviously. And I said, if there was ever an opportunity to help, to let me know. And it so happens that the uh, Secretariat coordinator of the time, Dr. Alison Tierney, she needed to step back. And so I was invited to take over. Uh, that was in October 2016. So I've been privileged to uh, play a role in the Secretariat for the APPG. And James, who is also a psychotherapist, um, we kind of recognised the gap in guidance that currently uh, existed uh, for psychological therapists. And we put together a proposal that we took to the all-party parliamentary group members to facilitate actually doing something about it. Mm. And they agreed. And that's when we started working on the project um, in early 2017. Excellent. Well, I, you know, I have to say, reading the guidance, you know, I'm thrilled to see it come together. You know, I, I, I really like the fact that it's a, an evidence-based piece. So, you know, it's got quite a lot of input by psychiatrists and psychotherapists of, of many different kinds too. So it, it's, it's really comprehensive. And even though I'm not a psychological therapist myself, I got a huge amount from reading it. I think many people will, irrespective of whether they're a client or a therapist or, a, you know, even psychiatrist too. So, you mentioned there and the gap that kind of exists in the knowledge and I wondered if we could talk about that a little bit because I'm assuming that with prescribing rates as high as they are it's it's probably quite rare now for a psychological therapist to see someone who isn't already on the drugs or certainly considering it so is that kind of what this guidance is is helping to address? Absolutely um, when most psychological therapists did their training uh, the world was a different place uh, in fact uh, if you were taking a psychiatric drug, there were some services, some therapy services who wouldn't see you. So um, the fact is that the majority of therapists now, uh, I think in, in a recent survey, it was 96% of all therapists are seeing at least one client who is taking psychiatric drugs. And of course, for the majority of therapists, it's a lot higher than that. Um, but um, as a result, our trainings didn't cover really how issues around psychiatric drugs intersect with the practice of therapy. And that's where this guidance really tries to speak to, because we're not saying that therapists need to be experts on the drugs. But what we are saying is that there is room to educate ourselves about how those drugs impact the process of therapy and how they impact our clients in ways that if we don't educate ourselves, we won't see. And um, if we hold ourselves in a place of ignorance about the drugs, we are in danger of compounding, as I said earlier, compounding harm inadvertently, of course. Um, and there's an opportunity to really um, work with clients to understand what's happening to them at a time when we know that doctors are under increasing pressure and have very little time to spend with people. Therapists are in a privileged position of meeting their clients, usually weekly for an hour, uh, often for very long periods of time, particularly in private practice. Um, and we have an opportunity to spot things with clients that 
other professionals may not have that chance. Yeah, absolutely. And and in terms Anne, of kind of how a therapist might use the guidance, you know, how, how do you see that happening? Because I, I, you know, I noticed fairly early on, it's, it's not prescriptive in any way, which I think is, is so important. So, you know, I just wondered how you saw the guidance being used in, you know, daily interactions. Yeah, it's such a um, highly personal decision for each therapist about how they might use this information and the guidance. And it's a contextual decision based on the client, based on the therapeutic relationship, based on what's been said, what it will mean to say something to the client about the drugs. Um, And to be honest, though, that's true about anything that a therapist says. We always have to be very mindful of um, the context, the overall therapeutic context of anything that we say. And this is no different. Um, So it can't be prescriptive. We can't say you must tell a client X, Y or Z because it will be right in some circumstances and not in others. Mm. Um, But there are some there are some clear areas, I think, around which therapists might use this information. So one is when a client is talking to us about the fact that they've been offered a prescription and they've got a decision to make. We often get asked questions about, should I do that? What would the impact be? So actually to gently explore with a client, well, what have you been told? What do you know? What would it mean to you to take or not take that drug? But also potentially contextually to offer some information about how that drug might impact their therapy. Mm. So if, for example, you're working with a client who needs to become better attuned to their own emotions and to understand them and perhaps find a different way of working with them, Mm. then taking a drug that distances themselves from those emotions might dramatically impact the progress of therapy. And that's a piece of information that the client needs Mm. in order to decide whether a taking a prescription is appropriate for them or not. Yeah, I, I think the context that the document provides is so important. You know, it allows people to see the drug within the context of the therapy they're having, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's so important because um, one of the most important things in the guidance, I think, is the distinction we draw between giving medical information, which anyone can do, and we all do every day, amongst family and friends in all sorts of circumstances, and the difference between Uh, giving medical advice, which clearly we are not qualified to do. That's not what we're there to do. Mm. All therapists will have had the experience of a client coming back to them at some point and saying, oh, I've done just what you told me to do. And of course, we haven't told them to do anything. So it's, again, part subject to general principles in therapy about how clear we need to be at all times about us supporting a client's decision making, about empowering them, about supporting their own decision making and agency. And this is no different to any other any other subject that we might be talking to them about. But um, I, I suspect that with a topic like um, psychiatric drugs, we need to be really clear about how important it is to speak to a knowledgeable prescriber if they are thinking about making any changes at all uh, in the drugs that they're taking. Mm. Uh, very often, um, people don't realise that withdrawal reactions can be experienced just by missing a dose or two or by changing from one drug to another, let alone just stopping completely. I think a lot of people understand that 
you know, stopping completely is not a good idea. Um, but I think few people realise how frequently withdrawal reactions can occur in a variety of circumstances. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so um, in terms of kind of getting the message out and the guidance being available, it's being launched on December the 4th, isn't it? So how would listeners find out more about the guidance and perhaps get a copy to read? There's, um, there's a dedicated website at prescribeddrug.info uh, where anyone can download the guidance for free. Um, you can also read it online there. There's also some uh, Q&A about how the guidance was put together and the different roles of the organisations involved in doing that. And of course, launching it this week uh, in the House of Commons, it is just the beginning. Uh, we're planning at least one training event for next year. Um, from which we'll develop some um, CPD materials. And we also hope to develop a shorter read version of the guidance because I do appreciate it is long, um, but it's kind of a start point from which we can create a lot more training materials um, for, for use in a variety of different situations. That's great. Thank you, Ian. It's uh, you know, it's it's such a timely piece of work, I think, because the, you know, to my mind, there is quite a an enhanced focus now on long term use of psychiatric drugs and difficulties with people coming off, and you know, trying to collect together information on what it's like for people. So I I think there is a huge gap there. I think this guidance fills that gap really well. So I'm so yeah. grateful to you and all of the authors for putting the time in to put this together. It's been a, a huge collaborative effort and the generosity of all of the organisations who've been involved has been amazing. And it's been a wonderful project to be part of. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing it taken up and used and discussed and debated uh, as we go forward. So thanks very much, James. And now we chat with peer support specialist Paul Sams. Paul is Service User Project Coordinator with the Positive and Safe Care team in the NHS in Cumbria. And for the guidance, Paul contributed to a chapter on the implications of using the new guidance in therapeutic settings. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today for the podcast. And really, kind of to begin, I'd like to ask a little bit about you and, and your background and, and how it was that you kind of came to be involved in this project to develop guidance for therapists around psychiatric drug withdrawal. Yeah, it's I was a long-term service user. Um, I used mental health services for about 15, a little bit more than 15 years. Mm. Um, and for about 10 years of that time, um, I was on a combination of drugs, mostly um, antipsychotics and mood stabilizers, antidepressants, you name it. I kind of, I had a psychiatrist who went from A to Z pretty much. Um, and I had some very poor experiences of withdrawn. Um, oftentimes, uh, drugs were taken off the market uh, for a number of reasons, often sometimes because they were un found to be unsafe. Mm. Um, and I was given very little support um, I must say it was kind of just stop these and start these and we're replacing this with this and I had some awful experiences um, at times felt I was dying felt like I was dying um, and I would question kind of the side effects I was having and I would be told no no there's nothing to worry about everything's fine um, so that was that's my background basically um, it's only a small part of kind of uh, what I had to deal with along the way but um, it was it was a significant part of that, mm. and um, I met somebody called Che Rosebert. Um, she's a clinical psychologist. Uh, I met her at a conference first a number of years ago, about eight or nine years ago, 
and we had a little bit of a discussion. I was, I was presenting a workshop and um, we discussed this and it stuck in our mind. And when this all party parliamentary group uh, was put together, she thought of me and she asked, would I like to be, would I like to, to use my lived experience to try and guide this guidance? Mm. Uh, and I jumped at the chance. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, you know, as, as someone, Paul, with lived experience in this myself, you know, I, I have taken and have recently come off an antidepressant after after many years. You know, I, I am so pleased. I mean, A, that this guidance is being created, but B, yeah. that there's real experience underpinning it, because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and minimization of what people yeah. actually go through. And, and you know, I, I, I was thrilled to see that people like you were involved. So the chapter in the guidance that you contributed to is is called Implications for Therapeutic Practice. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to ask, you know, how, how you maybe how you saw the guidance being used by therapists kind of, you know, in, in light of your own experience, really. Yeah, I think it's what I was conscious of, um, and I was. It was kind of proven right that I was that what I thought was the case was the case. Is that there is no real uh, guidance already in place, uh, so it's not even like there's an old uh, defunct guidance that didn't really work very well. There just was nothing, mm. um, and I saw this really as an opportunity to create a blueprint uh, and a blueprint really for a conversation, probably a conversation hopefully you've just recently had with your own experience, which is now we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do it and this is how I'm going to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's basically, it's an it's an opportunity uh, for, for clinicians to, to be guided in how they should have that conversation and also maybe a little bit of, a, of reassurance that that conversation should be had. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, what in, in reading your chapter, I really like the fact that it it encourages therapists to kind of reflect on what they what they think and what they know and what they might believe about the drugs that pe- their their clients are taking. And I think that's really positive because it's it's it for some people it's almost a no-go area isn't it that it's you know if a prescriber has prescribed the drugs then that's not something that i can have a discussion about but i really like the fact the guidance opens up that debate yeah i would would agree and what i would also say is um in the co-produced world where people are people are needing support um there should be no 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 go areas as you put it um i think that this guidance should be an opportunity for everybody to have a conversation that to have an open, open conversation that when it's the right time for you to come off your medication, you have all of the relevant information. I, I personally would like to go a little bit further. What I would like to happen is that this conversation happens at the beginning. Mm. Um, I, again, I, I went into this. I, I went to um, psychiatric services and I said, look, I'm, I'm not doing very well. Can you support me? That's kind of how the conversation I was in a lot of distress. and. Nobody said when you go on this medication, it might either be difficult to come off or the elephant in the room, it might limit your lifespan. Mm. Um, it's A lot of these medications are massively harmful mm. to, to people's uh, physiological state. Uh, a lot of people become quite sedentary. A lot of people um, have problems with, say, blood pressure, circulation, and uh, and appetite. A lot of people get... Um, get an increased appetite as well. So certainly an increased appetite creates its own issues too. It's all, all of this for me should be a conversation that we're having at the beginning, mm. which is, I know, I know what you want to support with. You've, you've come to me with that, but this, the, there are some negative effects to the, to the, the support I can offer you. 
And then that should open a further conversation around things like psychological interventions rather than pharmaceutical interventions, mm. or both of those things run side by side, hand in hand, mm. the multidisciplinary team approach, which I think a lot of people still don't get the uh, don't get access to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think the guidance that you've contributed to, I think, really helps with that because. Uh, you know, I, when I was reading it, it struck me that it it's useful for actually, I think, a far wider audience than just therapists. Yes, of course, it's yeah. aimed at therapists, but it is something a doctor or a psychiatrist could read or even a service user because it's yeah. it provides the context, it provides thought and, you know, reflection on on, on how we approach these things. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic piece of work, Paul. I really do. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. And we live in the information age, let's not forget, where what I'll be doing after tomorrow um, is I'll be sharing it through social media. Hmm. I will, it's the, pro, the problem that we'll have is you can click on Google and you can find out all the horror stories and you can find out all the reasons not to take these medications. Hmm. Some, and you, you might know this from your own experience, uh, and I know this from, definitely from my own experience, some people do need medication. Some people need medication for a long period of time. Some people still medication for life. Mm. But the the conversation and the information should be readily available. We shouldn't be just making some information available. It should be all of the information. Everybody should be able to go into these situations with their eyes open. Mm. Everybody shouldn't be able to know what these op- what the options are, what the full range of options are for the, for the situation that they're dealing with. Because it's often emotional distress. For me, it was uh, psychosis was the biggest thing that I had to deal with. Um, it, we were hardwired, really, to, to conform. And so for me, conforming was not to be openly uh, talking to my voices. <laughs> uh, I needed a bit of help with that, and I needed a bit of pharmaceutical help with that mm-hmm. uh, for periods of time. Um, I would have loved to have had this information at my fingertips. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you said it yourself earlier so well. You said, you know, that this is the first time this has been put together in this way. It's not even that we had to update something that exists. There was such a gap, wasn't there, before this yeah. guidance was put together? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I use the word hope, It's uh, and I, I use the expression positive change. Mm-hmm. I see this as, a, as a, an empowering, it's kind of a, a, an empowering document. Uh, it will support people. I was one of those people. I don't know if you were yourself. I don't, um, it's when I started medication, there was there was no idea that I would actually stop that medication, mm. and there's a little bit of um, a little bit of lack of hope. I'm going to say that wellness is wellness is around the corner. Um, I'm lucky enough that I wake up every day, almost days, shall we say, with a smile on my face. Mm. I appreciate what I've got. Um, I have lots of good things in my life, and I don't need medication anymore. Um, take me back 15 or whatever plus years ago. Um, I didn't have that. I had a big dark space, and it was filled with medication. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, I think for many people, there is an assumption that once you're on the drugs, then it's a lifelong thing. But yeah. I, I, I personally see that attitude changing. I see much written in newspapers about help and support for people coming off. And and you know, I'm so grateful, Paul, that you've used your experience of actually doing that to inform this important work. Yeah, great. Thank you. Finally, we chat with Professor of Psychology, John Reed, And John is a member of the Council for Evidence-Based Psychiatry, in addition to being a board member of the Institute for Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal. John's chapters in the guidance focus very much on the evidence which clearly highlights the gap in knowledge and understanding that currently exists when considering psychiatric drug withdrawal. John, thank you for making the time for today. It's always a pleasure to chat. 
And um, we're talking about the um, guidance for therapists on supporting clients with withdrawal issues. And I was particularly interested in reading the guidance to see that a lot of it is based upon solid and sound evidence. And I know that you were instrumental in pulling together the chapter, which kind of defines the problem. And you know, is not is not not you know, is not a not described in this way in other places that I've seen. So I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved and you know that the research that underlies this kind of therapist's guidance. Um, so I had done. Um a few large-scale surveys of people on antidepressants and and antipsychotics, um, including asking them about withdrawal and those sorts of things. And so um, Dr. Anne Guy asked me if I would lead up the section on um, the evidence base around withdrawal, um, section five called what, what Do We Know About Withdrawal? Because I think it's very important that this guidance is evidence-based it's just not the, the opinions of a few people sat around a table. Um, it's a very thoughtful and uh, science, scientific document because the whole point is that we're pushing the principle, the ethical principle of informed choice. So we, we wanted the guidance uh, and the way psychotherapists and counselors and psychologists interact with their clients to be evidence-based and to, to implement the the principle of informed choice, you have to be informed. So uh, we have a, a, a section on what we do know from the research evidence around how often withdrawal occurs, um, how severe it is, how long it's likely to last. For instance, um, the, the largest survey um, on antidepressants that, that I was involved with um, found that about half of people who take, when they try and come off antidepressants or reduce them, have some sort of withdrawal effects. And that turned out to be about the average when James Davis and I did a, a review of all the literature for, on behalf of the all party parliamentary group, um, we found that it was actually on average 56% of people coming off antidepressants experienced some sort of withdrawal. And of those, approximately half describe it as severe. And we also can now demonstrate empirically that the claims in the NICE guidelines and so forth, um, that it only lasts one or two weeks, are woefully inaccurate. And that's that's great that NICE guidelines have been changed. And the Public Health England has acknowledged um, that these things are much more common and much more severe than has been thought until now. So that, that information is in there not because it's just academically interesting, but because we expect therapists and psychologists to use it mm. um, in their discussions with their clients. Uh, if we're going to help people make decisions and inform decisions, we need to have that knowledge to share with clients when when they want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I as I mentioned to you before, we we chatted. You know, it, your section stands out because I think. If I were a therapist and I were looking for information on this, the information out there is so conflicting. It's either official information is is very slight and perhaps underplays the experience, but some of the, the kind of personal accounts are very much the other way. And I really welcome the fact that you're kind of evidence-based and survey-based response kind of gives therapists, uh, you know, a much better idea of what the likelihood is and what withdrawal might be like and how many people respond in different ways so i'm really grateful for the work on it good i think it was it was it was useful it's an underpinning to the other sections which are the more 
if you like, practically oriented sections where people can get some literally guidance on on how to interact with their clients. I mean, I've been involved in this field now for what thirty five years, and um, uh, this is the first time that I'm aware that there has been any guidance to us um, on these issues. I'm well aware that psychologists and counsellors and therapists have, by and large, avoided these issues for fear of sort of getting in the way of the sacred doctor-patient relationship or or because we don't know enough about it or it's not our business or because we're just a bit scared of it all really um but the problem is now there are so many people on these drugs i mean public health england concluded that one in four people were now on some sort of psychiatric drug so you can pretty much assume that almost all or very nearly all um clients in psychotherapy are going to be on the drugs or have been on them so it's 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 great that this these guidance are now going to be available it was it was really enjoyable to to work across the three sorts of non-medical mental health disciplines if you like mm-hmm. or three of them the counseling the counselors psychotherapists and psychologists working together and um, that's quite unique also um so that that's a that was a very productive um process and it's going to have a major impact, I think. And I think it's going to be beyond England. I mean, I've already done a very long interview with uh, the American American Psychological Association's Monitor, mm-hmm. which goes to pretty much every clinical psychologist in the United States. So people are watching us um, and looking to us for leadership on this. And I think we're going to have a major impact across the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I you know, I got a huge amount out of reading about, reading about, psychiatric drugs but from a non-medicalized point of view you know from a psychological point of view you know you you can have a very different view of them than the standard texts that you read which are based in neurotransmitters and neurogenesis or whatever else it might be so i I, again i really welcome that this is written from a a psychological and non-biological point of view yeah yeah i think that should be it it should be it should be helpful because of that Mm -hmm. i mean i I think we the bottom line is, James, we, we have to get involved because there are millions of people dealing with these issues and there are no services for them. Mm. Uh, so they're, they're, we are providing services. And if we if we can't deal with this issue when there's no other services for them to go to, then I think that really would be neglectful. So um, in the absence of any other services, we have to fill that gap. Uh, and hopefully, as a result of Public Health England, those services will now emerge uh, and the national helpline and so forth and services across the NHS for people trying to come off antidepressants and antipsychotics and benzodiazepines, etc. Um, it's, it's well overdue, but in the meantime, um, and even after those services are there, our clients will still need our informed support. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's difficult to see how services could have operated without this kind of guidance. So again, I, I think it's fulfilling a, a chasm, really a gap that, that we've had for so many years. And to see it brought together is, is, is really, really a huge step forward, I think. Yeah, I think so. So I just want to thank Anne, Paul and John for taking the time to chat. And if you want to read the guidance yourself, you can visit the website prescribeddrug.info, where you can read the guidance in full online or download a copy. So, as always, thank you for listening, and until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views, and updates.